This is Train to Perform, the undisputed alpha podcast in training, fitness, and sports performance. Here, you'll develop your skills with the cold, hard facts in fitness, sports performance, recovery, and nutrition. Real, tried and true, evidence-based facts that have been proven to move you faster, move you stronger, and move you forward. Now, here's your host of Train to Perform, Julian Sisman. And welcome back to the Train to Perform podcast. Thank you guys for listening. I hope um, that the podcast has helped you in some way so far. Um, You know, my whole goal with this, again, is to help educate you um, either through on information that has to do with nutrition, sports performance, um, fitness, um, and other health-related topics. Um, so today we have uh, Ben Hoffman, um, who is the sports performance coach, uh, strength conditioning coach at University of Maryland, right here in our own backyard, if you are in the DC area. Um, he, uh, we talk a lot more about sports performance, mostly related to soccer. Um, this is a great podcast for soccer coaches, um, soccer players, parents that are really interested on, you know, what is, you know, what is needed to get to the next level. Um, as far as fitness, strength, um, what is expected, um, what are the, you know, the, the demands that are needed, um, especially at a university where, you know, in the past, what, like within the past eight years, uh, you know, they won two national championships, um, one, you know, about two, maybe three years ago. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Um, please, again, uh, rate and review when you finish listening. Thank you, and hope you guys have a good rest of the day. Uh, how you doing? Good, man. Just yeah. enjoying a weekend, so it's been crazy times lately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's it's uh, your whole, you know, your normal routine, especially with uh, the whole season kind of like not happening. Um, it's totally different now. Yeah, and the schedule changes probably every two hours. So hopefully we get kind of settled in eventually, but it's been nuts. So at so what are you guys what are you guys doing now? Kind of, I mean, I'm sure you've prepared and done all your done all your stuff, and now you got to change it. So like, what do you guys have to do? What's this new setup? Yeah, so we're I mean we're kind of training like normal. Obviously the attitude's a little different, um, mm-hmm. but practice full practice, um, kind of just one time a day, obviously normal preseason would be a little bit different with two a days and kind of, we'd probably be having a scrimmage today for the first time. Mm. Um, so kind of just shifting to almost like a spring season style, like model, I suppose, Mm -hmm. where it's a little more relaxed, but Mm -hmm. obviously everybody's been off for four months. So kind of chomping at the bit to get going. Yeah. Um, so it's probably a good thing that we can still train. Yeah. And then weight room, obviously, we're still restricted quite a bit, 10 athletes at a time, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit reduced, but probably, again, more than what we would normally do this time of year since we don't have games to be 
prepping for. So it's just, I don't know, it's been weird. And we didn't, we're not a hundred percent sure like what it'll look like schedule wise, like when all the other sports come back, spring sports and things like that back for the, the fall semester. Then that's when it's going to get kind of interesting, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, at least you were allowed to, uh, train, uh, weight train and stuff like that. Uh, but I know you do more than that. Uh, as far as like physical prep goes. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I mean, really how I do this is kind of just throw out some questions that I sort of jot down before. Um, so how did you sort of, you know, how'd you get into what you're doing now? Like, where did you start? Um, was it always soccer or is it, has it just kind of, kind of navigated to that scene? Sure. I mean, I, I grew up playing soccer. I played at the D3 level, uh, Southwestern University back in Texas. I'm from Houston originally. Um, so soccer's kind of always been a big part of it. And I think mm-hmm. naturally throughout my whole strength and conditioning career, I've just been labeled as the soccer guy. Uh, probably a lot of people can relate to it. It's like, oh yeah, you played soccer. We'll put you with this crazy team. Yeah. It's just kind of how it's happened. Um, not the only sport I've worked with along my way, pretty much any sport you can think of, but kind of soccer is always the one that for better or worse, I'm gravitating towards and uh, head coaches seem to like the fact that I played. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started kind of training um, myself from probably middle school through college. So we didn't have at the time Southwestern didn't have a strength and conditioning program. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my, my coach gave me some or gave us like conditioning packets and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing like what the kind of programs we're putting together now for athletes. So I was kind of, you know, figuring it out on my own um, and just kind of fell in love with that process and Mm kind of figured out, you know, after towards the end of my college career, that strength and conditioning was even a thing and just explored that and kind of long story short, started volunteering at university of Houston when I was doing my grad program there and kind of just went from there. So been a little bit all over the place, uh, since Houston, but, uh, now lucky enough to be working with, with Maryland soccer and Maryland tennis as well. So that's been pretty cool. So would you, would you do your master's in, uh, my master's was, or something? it was, it was an MED, but it was a physical education Mm -hmm. and, kind of the track that I had was, uh, motor learning, motor behavior. So, um, it was actually a pretty cool program. And it got, I also had the opportunity to teach like activity classes at the same time. Um, okay. So I was teaching undergrads in pretty much any sport, strength training, like all kinds of stuff, which really kind of got me out of my comfort zone and probably helped my development more than I even, even realized like I had to teach racquetball and I had never taught racquetball or played racquetball. So it's like figuring that out. Um, so it's pretty cool. Awesome. So after Houston, um, what, what was your sort of next step? What was your next, uh, place that you, you went to, Uh, you said you went to more, more colleges or was it pro teams? Uh, so yeah, I've been all college or, you know, private sector, mixed in there but um so right after houston i got i was lucky enough to get the nsca assistantship and i went to valdosta state university in georgia um so that was where i got my first like team to be in charge of and stuff like that Uh, i was really lucky 
to the coach Dosher, who was there at the time, just kind of trusted me and gave me women's soccer uh, as my first team. And it was their first season too. So it was kind of like, all right, everybody's new. Let's figure this thing out. And uh, that was pretty cool. And I was there for about a year and a half. And then I got a, a job down at Weber International University, small NAIA school down in Central Florida. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Yep. Uh, Coach Raz, who was for, the former uh, head guy there, just built a huge program out of this tiny NAIA school. Um, and just a great developmental opportunity for me and all the coaches that he brought in and kind of coach areas who's still there is kind of keeping the ship going strong. So it's pretty cool. Um, after that, my wife was actually up in DC. She was going to law school at the time. So I decided it was kind of getting to that point in our relationship where, uh, we needed to be together. So I actually left Weber and just moved up to DC and kind of, wormed my way into Georgetown and convinced them to get me involved. And kind of that's where that built. I started working with their soccer team and uh, was there for almost three years and then came over to Maryland. So that's kind of my track. That's a, that's a, that's a nice little hop from uh, Georgetown to Maryland. I mean, especially yeah, I mean, Georgetown just won <laughs> and then you go to Maryland, you went in, you know, I don't, I don't, how far did you guys get when you were there? At Georgetown? Yeah. Um, I mean, they've been, well I think the doing... best was maybe second round of the playoffs. My, my first year, my first year working with the team mm-hmm. uh, got upset in the second round of the playoffs. I think really good team. That was when like Keegan Rosenberry, Josh Turnley, like back line was just like stacked. Yeah. And had some pretty good, good, uh, players throughout the whole team. I think Alex Mule, who's still playing with the Red Bulls, was was starting up front. Like it was an awesome team, and didn't didn't come out on top on a game, but those guys could have gone all the way. And then yeah. it was awesome to see. Uh, it was the freshman class, the last freshman class I worked with when I was there, was the ones that were seniors winning the national championship last year. So that was cool to see those guys be successful. Yeah. Um, and it's, not, it's cr- not that it had anything to do with me, but it's cool that I'm associated <laughs> with two teams. I mean, hey, one. you never know. You could have <laughs> done something. You could have done something and it still lasted, uh, instilled in them until that day. You never know, man. Yeah, who knows? Um, yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool. Yeah, because um, there's a kid on, there's a freshman, um, and I work with his dad uh, at the oh, yeah. gym that I, me, that we all share. His dad's kind of like a ATC does some like rehab stuff. And he was the one that scored the actually winning PK. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, um, you know, you've been doing some cool stuff at Maryland. Um, you, how many, t- you've, how long have you been there? I've been there a little over three years. And what was the, you? They haven't. They won their last one. What like two years ago? Yeah, it wasn't this past year, but the year before. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So, um, you know, kind of tell me how like life is like there. Like, what what have what have you been able to pick up along the way that has really, you know, I mean, consistent year by year. The um, obviously, you know, he he. You know, Sasha has been there forever. Uh, honestly, he's at, he's there when my uncle went there. So I, <laughs> so and my uncle's like forty something. But uh, 
Yeah, so he's been there for a minute. <clears throat> so obviously he has, as far as picking up good players, but, you know, as we know, uh, you know, the game is long. Um, and in college soccer, it is, you know, I've played, I played again at Ohio State. So I know the mm-hmm. f- physicality, the, the, how long it, it's, the s- small frame, uh, window frame of like the next game in the schedule. Right. Um, so, you know, how, what do you, like, how does the, you know, off season or, you know, summer, you know, kind of work? I know that, uh, a lot goes on to prep these kids for that long, but, you know, sure. kind of short season. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, off season's great, especially when we're not into the spring games, because that's when I actually get time with them in the mm-hmm. weight room and we can do yeah, some yeah. stuff. And probably it just gets better each and each off season as the team gets used to kind of my style. And now our seniors have been with me the whole time they've been here. Yeah. So it's kind of like, operating really well and they almost take control and they're coming in and getting after it and kind of set the precedent. But so what we kind of look like in the off season, we'll lift three times a week. Um, and this, when does this typically start? So January, yeah, into January. So we start late because there's a a long winter term Mm -hmm. in Maryland. So Mm -hmm. we don't start until the very end Mm -hmm. of January. Um, and we come in and they're in an eight hour period. So they can only go with the coaches for up to four hours. And what we usually do is spread that out over the week and maybe they play 45 minutes each day, uh, maybe do some pickup and then they'll come in and, and work with me or I'll do some speed work with them out on the field. So I usually, it's not ideal, but I'll alternate like lifting days and like some speed and or plyo based days just because of time. We don't mm-hmm. have the time to, Ideally, I would have speed work, then they practice probably because our coach wants them coming in, wants them lifting after practice. So I can't do all that in one day. So we just spread it out. Um, So usually it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday lift um, schedule. And then I'll do some speed and agility Tuesday, Thursdays out before practice. And that kind of holds until we get into like a 20-hour spring season period. And then usually we reduce weight room time a little bit and try to keep that speed and agility because obviously that's a little bit higher priority. So when you do speed and agility, uh, I mean, is it just one of those things where you're working on, you know, acceleration, absolute speed, stuff like that? Or is it like certain like drills that you, you know, feel are necessary or are you using like bands? Uh, Are you using sleds and things like that? Um, yeah, I would say a little bit of all of that kind of what I'll, I usually do one day that's pretty much strictly linear, at least early on in that mm-hmm. off season. And then one day might be a combo between change of direction and linear. I think just, we have more, more work to do on that linear speed and can kind of carry over a little bit more, but kind of what you mentioned, some of those different modalities starting off with more of an emphasis on acceleration. So maybe using some banded drills, like banded marches, banded A skips to get into proper positions and kind of feel those positions. And then always kind of building into some more short accelerations and increasing that distance over time. So maybe phase one is, you know, 10 to 20 yards for the majority of everything. And you just kind of build that out over time. Um, 
I am starting to insert in more, like more top end with, you know, flying sprints and some longer sprints and things like that. Used to earlier on in my career, kind of be a little wary of trying to avoid like hamstring injuries and things. Cause you know, soccer players don't usually run much over 30 meter sprints. I mean, that's pretty rare as well. So it's kind of like, okay, maybe we don't need to do that. But now I just kind of seeing some of the benefits of that and increasing that top speed and the carryover that it can have to other areas. So trying to kind of build towards that in that off season is something I'm thinking about as well. Um, so, so when it comes to, uh, like your, you know, multi-directional stuff, are you doing a lot of, um, just like basic, you know, teaching them the change of like proper, uh, you know, foot placement, things like that. Um, or is it, you know, go through cones and things like that? Um, so it definitely starts with that proper mechanics Mm -hmm. and it's almost gotten to the point where like the first time I would work on, you know, uh, center of mass manipulation, Mm -hmm. getting low, uh, kind of like the old school pal, like posture, um, low center of gravity, those kind of things. We work on that early with like different shuffles and kind of just static stops. So maybe it's a shuffle five yards, you're breaking down into that position, leaning back to where you're wanting to go, just kind of teaching angles in and out of cuts. So doing some simple things like that, then maybe building into some planned cone drills. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's not actually agility. There's no reaction or stimulus that's causing the need for that change of direction. Um, So I kind of try to get into that reactive or even competitive pretty quickly. Um, so it might even be like session one, we work on a little bit of, of planned or mechanics then planned work, but then have some kind of reactive so that it's, can you use this in a more game-like situation? Um, yeah. and then that just builds over time to where it's almost more like games, like tag games, different kinds of things, races, um, to where that becomes most of, of the session. If, if those mechanics early on are looking good. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally agree with that. Um, and, and, and when, when you find, when you do, when you're, you know, when you're planning this and putting all this together, I mean, has it been effective for, you know, reducing the injuries for majority of the kit, majority of the players now? Um, yeah, I would say I don't have like it, kind of lined up perfectly like when did this injury happen and things like that um the majority of the injuries that we've seen is like right when we come back uh starting up if it's after a long break or things like that so it's which is frustrating because then like i didn't have the chance to work on these kind of things before they they get injured but um i think yeah we haven't seen a whole lot throughout the the spring season usually. And that's when I get to do most of this kind of work. So possibly it it helps. I mean, so many things go into injuries like that. So it's hard to say for sure. Yeah. So, um, and then kind of moving on to more of like the weight room, what is, what does it look like in there? What, what kind of like buy-in are you getting with the guys? I know, I know with soccer, um, especially younger kids, like they're probably, you know, very resistant on like, Oh, on the weight training. But I mean, I don't know. It, it, every place is a little bit different, especially when you're coming into Maryland and you, I'm sure that's the, the kids see what 
the others are going through. So they're kind of expecting, you know, Oh, I got to, you know what to do. Um, right. so like a couple questions referring to that, you know, when a kid that's a freshman comes in, like what's the, you know, most, uh, you know, wh- where do you start with them? Like I, and some kids might have had, uh, strength training when they were younger or before, like in high school and stuff like that. And some kids may not have had any type of work. So, do you deal with those two situations mostly most of the time or is it most of them coming in with some type of experience? Um, I'd say more often than not, there's some type of experience now. Um, Mm -hmm. but you do all, I mean, we get a lot of international kids that Mm -hmm. maybe don't have any kind of weight room experience or if they did, it's like on the field stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really a pretty good spectrum and kind of how I, tackle that is pretty much all freshmen come in and we do the same sort of introductory program because even like we got a kid that came in this year who showed me a video of him squatting 405 for five or something but um i think it was five reps it's like okay it's pretty impressive but you're still going to go through kind of my intro program so i can make sure you're moving well you kind of understand how i do things and kind of what the program's like and then we can kind of start progressing from there. So, and he, he can push a little bit more. So for example, like this summer was a good opportunity because we got a lot of guys back early for, for uh, just voluntary workouts before the, the season got canceled. But um, so I had two weeks with the, the few freshmen that were here doing kind of mainly body weight or, or dumbbell based movements, lots of holds, different, different movement patterns, seeing how they move. And they all progressed pretty well. So after two weeks, I was able to get a barbell involved and start, you know, front squat progressions and things like that. And then so a guy like him, who's a little bit stronger, more experienced, we can just start loading a little bit more within that same progression. Um, Whereas somebody who maybe another guy that doesn't have as much experience, though he's moving well, we're starting, you know, front squat, but he's only got 65 to 95 pounds where this kid was already kind of loading up because he's pretty strong. So kind of how I deal with those different, different levels. Um, but I mean, they're still only 17, 18 years old, so they got plenty of time to keep, keep developing. So I'm not in a rush to, to really load them up. want to make sure they're looking good and moving well first. And then, um, are you doing a lot of, you know, Olympic lifting with these kids, like soccer players, or is it just a lot of basic, you know, as far as plyometric goes, or just generating power? Is it like med ball, um, jumping and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely Olympic based. Um, I myself Olympic lift pretty much exclusively. So I try not to make that take over my programs for my Mm -hmm. athletes, but we definitely do usually an Olympic lift or a variation each workout. Um, volume's not crazy high because obviously we need to work on other things. Um, and like, I definitely will use med ball work and plyometrics, different jump patterns as well, can both inside and outside of the weight room. So we'll do some with our speed and agility outside, but we'll do some, you know, complex with squats with our more advanced guys or just, you know, learning, learning basic jumping and landing technique, you know, yeah. box, box jump, step drops, those kind of things. So it's all kind of mixed in. I don't try to, or I try not to just be married to one 
method because we obviously in a sport like soccer, especially you got to be able to move in a million different ways and deal mm-hmm. with a million different things. So I think that's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm just curious. Cause, uh, you have different places that talk about, Oh, I don't like to Olympic lift. It's, you know, it's not necessary. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, everybody has their way of preparing kids. Um, yeah. I mean, the way I see it is like, I don't think it takes that long to teach. I think it makes you more athletic, the more movements and things that you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unless there's some kind of restriction within that athlete or we're just having a hard time, like I'm going to use those amongst other, other things to kind of develop power and strength. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So kind of moving on to something that I know you're specialist at and I know a lot of kids love to try to be as fit as possible. Um, <laughs> especially, especially college soccer. Uh, when it comes down to, you know, fitness, like, um, you know, how far out, so like say the season was supposed to start in like three weeks or whatever, how far out are you starting? Early from a fitness perspective. Yeah. Um, so pretty much the majority of what I'll prescribe fitness wise is going to be in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'll start that. Like if we start summer training, probably let's just say June one, maybe May is kind of a down, down month. Just kind of, we just finished a long spring season, give them a down month with some conditioning, but just more maintenance and a maintenance program for, for strength uh, throughout mm-hmm. the month of May. And then June's kind of when we really hit it. So what would that be like eight weeks out? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I really, we should say, May is kind of the beginning, but it's almost more just that aerobic base where it kind of easier stuff. And then, then June is where it would, would pick up a little bit more. And it all kind of depends on, you know, in a normal year, a lot of these guys are playing with a, a PDL team or something like that. Um, or at least trialing with some MLS clubs and stuff. So it's really kind of individual case by case basis. Maybe they're doing partial amount of the program and they're still playing games on the weekends and they're practicing three, four times a day. So it's hard to put really, in more fitness. Right. So then it becomes a conversation with that guy. It's like, okay, maybe you do fitness on this day and this day, or maybe you just do some tempo runs to kind of help you recover from this workout, but you're not killing yourself because you have practice tomorrow or something like that. But um, it's crazy because soccer's becoming, you know, full year, thing where there's no downtime so Mm -hmm. how much fitness do they actually need are they getting a good level uh that's one thing we look at during the spring because i don't do a whole lot of extra fitness with them because we're playing every day so kind of that's when our monitoring comes into play it's like are they are they getting enough do we need to do a little bit extra work what's their high intensity running looking like that kind of thing but yeah so like say it's like, for example, say it's a kid, not re- maybe a freshman, not really, you know, not playing on anything over the summer, maybe just focusing on, hey, I'm, I'm trying to play, you know, day one season, whatever, for, mm-hmm. you know, the team. What is your sort of prescription or sort of layout of, you know, what are they doing? 
kind of building up to it. So I know you mentioned, you know, for, for, for a couple of weeks, um, and this make total make totally makes sense is creating that aerobic base help with that, you know, recovery. But once you hit that, it was like, you know, two weeks of that work. Like, what do you, what's sort of like the setup? Is it like twice a week, three times a week? Are you focusing on, you know, sprint work, change of direction? Is it like, uh, timed, tempos, things like that, or am I totally off? No, no, you're pretty much spot on. So kind of what it'll look like throughout a summer, let's say we have three phases, like phase one might be that more aerobic base work for, Mm -hmm. for conditioning, uh, in the weight room might be a little bit more like strength endurance, kind of matching up those qualities. And then speed work might be, you know, more acceleration based. So not getting too crazy with anything, but that's just overarching. We might hit some different qualities throughout all that, but that might be phase one. I would lift three days a week condition, probably three days a week with that Um, speed work before lift. And then, so during the summer when we don't necessarily have the restrictions, I try to get, you know, speed work and lifting on the same day Mm -hmm. and then condition conditioning on those opposite days. Mm -hmm. then they might also be like playing a little bit, even if it's pickup, if they're here or at home or whatever. Yeah. Um, then sorry to interrupt. So these kids are getting programs if they're not at on campus. Yes. Yeah. I'll send everybody the program. Um, and we actually have a good amount of guys that don't play and stick around because they're local DC, Maryland kids. So then I usually have a pretty good group of like anywhere from six to, 10 or 12 here that that do the training. Um, but yeah, so phase two, just kind of intensify with, with the weight room and really with everything weight room intensifies a little bit. Um, if I, I always have like one day of tempo runs in pretty much the whole summer. So I'm just building distance through those tempo runs, um, trying to build up to, you know, 4,000, 4,500 total yards on the day. Um, wow. That's a lot of running. It, yeah, and it takes for it takes, <laughs> it takes forever. forever. <laughs> and the guys, I, I'm not gonna lie, I used to do it. those, and man, it would I'd be like, "Yo, this is an hour, and I can't believe I'm only at like three thousand meters." <laughs> right. Yeah, it takes it takes a while, but and the guys, it's a love hate relationship for sure because they they hate doing them, but they are like, do "Yeah, two works. weeks after two weeks of doing it, they're just like, okay, I feel great.'" And they're so. Where simple. do you normally start at? Uh, maybe around 2000, okay. 1800, 2000, just kind of, I'll wave it up and down a little bit. So it's not just straight building up each week, but yeah, yeah. that's all. So do you, do you stop at like 45 or are you going beyond that? No, I don't usually, I try not to go above that. Cause I think I kind of go off Derek Hansen's recommendations yeah. mm-hmm. and then I forget who, um, I heard talking about it, but they looked at a soccer match and that's like the actual effective running that you might cover was right mm-hmm. around that 4,000, 4,500. Yeah. Um, obviously we're covering a lot more distance in that, but what is actually useful, like above a slow jog. And I think that's what they found. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it kind of justifies what Derek has put out there for a long time. It's like, okay, yeah. he knows he's what he's talking about. That from, uh, <laughs> I think he got a lot of that from Charlie Francis like yep. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I, it's, it's funny. I, uh, I saw, I, I came across his work a long time ago. 
And I started doing those uh, myself. And I, I'll be honest with you, I've never been in better shape. Yeah. Like the just, and, and, and the crazy thing is, it's like, you know, you're just running hundreds or on a hundreds. I, I would sometimes run like three, I wouldn't go beyond like 300. So I good. do you do like full field sprints? Like what do you, or tempos or are you running around the track? Like, what do you? Oh, it's usually on a, on a field. Um, okay. We're not usually doing the work at a track and obviously with more than a few guys, it gets a little tough. So you just um, do cross field runs, I guess. Yeah. Cross field runs, mainly hundreds and two hundreds. Every once in a while, I'll throw a wrench in there and we'll do some threes and fours, but mm-hmm. not very often. It gets pretty lactic when you're doing yeah. that long. Yeah. Um, and just a good way to make tempo runs even more miserable <laughs> some 400s, but the works. So, 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 uh, so phase two intensifies both weight room and, um, on the yeah. aspect, I guess. Yeah. So I guess the easiest way to think about it, big picture, like phase one would be, you know, more strength endurance based in the weight room, a little more aerobic based. Obviously there's going to be some anaerobic work, uh, but more of that aerobic base is the focus in that first phase. Um, and then phase two would be kind of shifting. It's still aerobic. You don't spend, I don't spend too much time just like targeting anaerobic specifically, but it intensifies. So you're doing a little bit more like work at VO two max, trying to push that. Um, or that's the goal at least I don't have actual VO two max numbers or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, in the weight room becomes more strength, like basic strength, maybe a little bit of max strength. Um, thinking like if we're looking at our main primary strength lifts, like phase one, you're doing, eights and tens phase two you're doing you know anywhere from three to three to six reps kind of in that intensity working at basic strength um obviously touching on everything else as we go but Mm -hmm. main focus and so what kind of conditioning looks at then i'll still keep that tempo run day um it's usually after my heavier lift to kind of kind of be almost act as a recovery but also build that total total distance like i was saying and then some of the other days start doing some more high intensity interval training, kind of working, working based off, off 3015 numbers and the fitness test and just kind of individualizing distances. So it might be anywhere, you know, 10 on 10 off 15 on 15 off uh, 20 on 20 off type runs, those, those intervals and um, maybe start to get a little bit more some like shuttle runs and things like that that push into that anaerobic energy system a little bit more, um, but use it sparingly and then kind of touch on that in that third phase. So the third phase becomes a little more of a combo from the aerobic system standpoint, because if you're thinking about soccer, you're using all of them kind of all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I'll put some repeat sprint in a little bit um, or repeat sprint shuttle runs. Um, keep some of that, the high intensity intervals going. And then usually I start to taper off that uh, tempo uh, towards the end. So maybe the last two weeks start to taper down. So there's almost the volumes just decreasing. They're getting ready for camp. Um, and that last phase of, of strength work is 
maybe a little bit of max strength, but probably more like power based. And usually I'll take a strength or what I've the plan this summer, which it kind of got a little screwed up, obviously with yeah. the, with the times was to go down to twice a week in the weight room, make it more power based and then have a day out on the field. That's more, you know, sprints, jumps, throws, that kind of thing. Um, so kind of surfing the curve through the, throughout the summer and yeah. with the emphasis and getting towards more specific to what we do out on the field. So that's kind yeah. of the plan. That's awesome. And, 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 you know, and you have no problem with buy-in from all these kids. So now I would say, I wouldn't say no problem. So we have all kinds of different guys with different experiences yeah. and when they're here at school and they're working, it's been great. Yeah. Now, how much they do back home on their, in their home country, home state, that <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah. Um, it's hard. That's one of the hardest things is I can't track that. But from when I first got here, it's always tough when you first get to a, a program and your style is different than the guy before, or even if they had great buy-in, it just things change because we're not the same coach. So they have to get used to the style. So, and yeah, you know, you have some older guys that this is how they've done it. And now it's changed. So it's kind of feeling that out and getting used to it. But you know, the next year then gets a little bit better. And then year three is when I've noticed like that third off seasons, when I noticed it's usually clicking and running pretty good. Uh, buy-ins usually pretty, pretty good. Um, and then this last off season was, was awesome. Like the, the guys that was, it was their third off season with me. I think they were, they're just rocking and rolling. They know what to expect. They they're bought in. They want to get stronger. They've seen how it's helped. Mm -hmm. And then when your senior, senior, junior players on the team have that, like the, the younger ones usually just kind of fall into place. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of it depends on the coaching staff as well. Yeah. And I think like if they support the weight room or at least like, see it as an important aspect and kind of trust trust me to kind of take care of the team and have them ready and not have them sore when they need them to be prepared and things like that uh usually then they're pretty supportive of whatever so um i think buy-in's been pretty good especially the last couple of years and like even now during this this whole pandemic when we got back the guys i haven't heard one one like complaint they're hyped and ready to get in the weight room and do some training. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of them are, uh, just ready to get back into some, some type of normalcy. Cause I'm sure because then once they left, they probably went home and did absolutely nothing. Cause they were, you really couldn't do much. So yeah, it totally sure. makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and you've been there for like three years now. So I'm sure like the coaches coaching staff ha hasn't really changed much. So I'm sure a lot of the stuff that you're doing, you know, they're seeing it as, as, as a benefit. And I know that, uh, you know, Sasha, uh, you know, you know, really, you know, buys in on this whole strength conditioning. Cause I, uh, you know, obviously prior people that have been there, some, they were doing some work in the weight room. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it, the guy who was there before me, Ryan Cotter did awesome job. Like exactly. when I got in guys, guys were for the majority of the team was all about it. They came in, they trained, they got after it. Uh, so I don't want to make it sound like it was 
crazy when I was yeah. taking over and nobody wanted to be in there. <laughs> yeah. No, they were, they like a lot of that national championship team. They were, you know, freshmen and juniors before I, I mean, they were freshmen and sophomores before I got there and they were mm-hmm. kind of meatheads in their own right. So like that, that foundation starts when you first came in, mm-hmm. come in as a, as a freshman. So it was definitely there. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, you know, getting them used to style and getting the coaches kind of used to, to your style and almost just learning expectations of each other. And then mm-hmm. kind of it starts to flow and, and work well. So, yeah. So you mentioned um, before about uh, tracking. So what, what type of what type of stuff do you track? Like, are you as far as as far as weight room and stuff like that? Uh, are are you using type, some type of um, platform that all of them are sort of recording their weights and stuff like that? Are you using GPS for fitness and conditioning and speed work? Yep. So weight room, we're pretty old school. We don't have any any uh like online platform or anything i would love to do that um we did just invest in a ams with a smart base mm-hmm. um, not that that's necessarily in weight room but it's a way to kind of keep track of all of our data so hopefully eventually we can use something you know like team builder or train mm-hmm. heroic and then kind of get that straight in there so we can track volume loads and max numbers and things a little bit easier but as of right now pretty old school in the weight room, uh, paper and pen. Yeah. Pen and paper, (laughs) just kind of tracking over time, but it gets the job done. Yeah. The weight is still weight on the bar. Exactly. Um, we have VX sport GPS out on for the field. Um, so that's the main thing we'll track also do like wellness surveys and RPE at the end of each session, but, uh, kind of GPS, uh, is the main thing that we'll do. And I'm completely in charge of that system for, for men's soccer. So, um, I'm out there every day of practice, getting that all set up and then kind of running the reports afterwards. Is that real time? Uh, yeah. So we, it does have live capabilities. Um, so really we'll just, I'll look at like a, a distance, total distance. That's what Sash wants to, to kind of judge practice off the most. Um, mm-hmm like an average where are we at? And that's kind of how he can, if he's got, you know, such and such a plan, it's like, okay, we're already at 5,000 meters for the day. Maybe we go 10 more minutes and then we call it a day. So that's kind oh, okay. of, that's what we'll use that for. Um, we're not always the most precisely planned out beforehand on practice. So it's not, you know, we want this drill to be this much, this drill to be this much. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we'll get there one day. Um, but at least, do use that data in live time. And then Ryan, the athletic trainer and I, if we have, you know, some injury guys that we're trying to limit or keep at a certain threshold, we'll look at their data as well and kind of cut them off if we need to, or maybe they can't do contact, but Hey, they only got 2000 meters so far. Maybe we'll do some, some tempo runs or some intervals to make sure they get that extra work. Cause we need them at 4,000 meters. So yeah, we can use it that way as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, you probably know more than I do. A lot of colleges are starting to use those type of, you know, GPS and stuff like that. I think it's, uh, very beneficial for, you know, exactly what you're saying. Um, especially with making sure that they're hitting certain numbers to make sure that, you know, they're preparing the body for the game. Um, 
I think that makes it a lot easier for you as the string coach to not guess on like, and the coach to not have to guess on, do we do enough or is it too little? Um, and then it probably helps a lot out with like, you know, injuries and recovering and return to play as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely, the way I look at it is it's just a, it's a tool in the toolbox that is there to help coaches plan better. And like mm-hmm. you said, kind of see if they're actually accomplishing what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have your weekly plan. Maybe we want to hit X amount of load for the entire week. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of just track that and be like, okay, these few days we got up to, you know, 65%. We got one more day of practice. Yeah. We can do that full 11 v 11 scrimmage that you wanted to do or vice versa. Like maybe we did went a little too hard. It's like, okay, let's cut the time down this last day. Cause we don't want to push too much. And the injury things, it's always, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. looking at data. So like you look at somebody, like we had a, a player last year sprain a hamstring, strain a hamstring in the first game. And so we were looking kind of at his data and we saw like the week before did see a huge spike in his load, but we didn't really pick up on that in real time. So mm-hmm. kind of sucks that we weren't able to, but yeah. it can give those indications. So the more, you know what to look for, yeah, the more you can kind of use that and hopefully help produ- help reduce those injuries. Um, but you know, with him, he's one of our better players. It's, you say, okay, Sasha, you can't play this guy, or maybe it becomes like we do more recovery type work or things like that. But it's it's interesting. Those those clues are definitely out there. You just got to learn to to look for them correctly. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That that it's kind of crazy. I I was um I had a conversation with I'm sure you know him, Sean Arndt. He was at Rutgers. Now he's down in South Carolina. He was, he was working with like girls uh, and boys at Rutgers. Mm -hmm. And we had the same kind of similar conversation um, about, you know, data and how it can be that kind of data, like the GPS and how it can be beneficial because he had a player that, you know, would just go balls out like Mm -hmm. first 45 minutes and be dead for the next 45. (laughs) And they realized like, you know, Hey, let's like not allow him to train for like three days and then boom, like he was fresh and ready and did well for the next game or whatever. So it's, it's, it's cool that, you know, obviously when I was playing, you know, let's say eight years ago, there was, we weren't using GPS. It was just like, yeah, whatever (laughs) whatever fitness you could do. It's like, yo, you're going to do this. It's totally different now. I mean, which is good. I think it's, I think it's very valuable. Um, cause again, like these kids are, uh, you know, striving to play at the next level, let's say a certain percentage, um, and keeping them, you know, injury free all through college, um, which I'm sure is, is good look on you because you're able to understand, you know, the data, you're able to understand the constraints that you're working within and, and able to, again, keep getting them stronger and better every single year. Um, so I think it's, it's cool that you're able to see that um, and it helps you. Um, when it comes down to, um, you know, sort of assessing assessments, are you uh, doing like a, the beep test type thing or did you come up with something for yourself? Uh, we use, I'm a big fan of the 3015. 
IFT. So it is the beep test just set up a little bit different than like the normal beep or the yo-yo. Um, it's always 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off. Um, What's the distance? It's a 40-meter distance. And you kind of end up at different lines each time. Um, mm-hmm. But you, Are you just going back and forth? So, yeah, it's back and forth. Imagine there's three lines. Uh, you okay. start line A, line B, line C. And it's just there because you might end up at line C. Or, I mean, oh, line okay. B sometimes. But essentially, you're just running 40 meters and back for 30 seconds. Whenever 30 seconds is up, you just walk to the next line that you didn't make it to. And then it starts again um, because it just gets fast, a little bit faster each, each uh, round. What's so the just, spacing between each, uh, each line? So it's 20 meters. It's at halfway at 20 meters. So just. Oh, I understand. What yeah. You're so there's yeah, just. Okay. 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 Zero, 20, and then 40. Um, it's originally designed by Martin Bukite, who's the, the PSG or PSG, um, fitness coach now. So, um, pretty good test. I just, I like the inner incremental nature of it, you know, like with the yo-yo, you spend eight rounds at the same speed. Um, it makes more sense to me to just incrementally go up half a, half a kilometer an hour each round. And you just kind of get to the point where you can't, can't be safe on those lines anymore. So, so how do you get out? So out is, so on those three lines, there's a zone. So instead of making it directly onto the line on the beep, you have to be within that zone. Mm. If you miss, if you miss three zones in a row, you're out. So it kind of just, I, I like it because the failure is not quite as, up in the air, it's like, oh, you almost made that one, or you were, you know, your foot was just about on the line. Does that count? Is that off? With this, it's like you weren't in the zone. Chances are you're going to miss the next zone, and then you're going to miss the other one, and you're done. It's a lot more like clear cut. With you're out, you just can't do anymore. Yeah. So when you when you when you do this, obviously, I'm sure it's what January, and then again, or do you only do it once a year? Um. Sometimes we'll do it in January. Sometimes we'll just do it towards the end of the spring just Mm -hmm. to see where they're at before. And I'll use that for kind of some individualized conditioning over the summer. And then we'll do it again when they come back um, in the fall or at the very end of the summer. So what's like, what's the, the score? What's the, you know, what is, what's the goal? I mean, I'm sure you've used this for how long now? Uh, I don't know. I've probably been doing it for over six years with various teams, mm-hmm. six, seven years. Um, and what if, what it, what do you, so like, I guess my question just kind of getting straight to it. It's like, what do you, what's the goal of the, of the kid? Like, is he trying to hit like, to, like what's I guess total distance? Yeah. So we, I don't, I don't really look at it. I look at it as the score. So the score you get is just the speed of the level that you're on. Okay. So I guess the level is the speed. So like our guys were looking, I don't have a set goal. We're not using it as like a pass fail kind of thing, but I know you're in a pretty good spot if you're getting, you know, 20, 21 and above. Um, so it's basically they're running that level at 21 kilometers per hour. 
Um, we have some guys that get up to like 22, 22 and a half. Um, which so you're talking is, like, like, what is that like? 16 mile, almost like up there. Isn't it, isn't uh, it less miles an hour? Yeah, it would be less. Yeah. It's not quite that yeah. fast. I don't know what the, I mean, I'm horrible with conversions. Yeah, I but forget the conversion too. <laughs> it's getting to the point, it's getting to the point where they're moving pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what um, I was going to say. That's pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, we usually, like for a freshman, I want them, having not ever run the test before, they're mm-hmm. coming in at like 19 and a half, 20, if, oh, they're, wow. okay. if they're fit. So we had one kid come in and blow it out of the water, and he his first time doing it runs runs a 22. So pretty crazy but i i like this because of martin's work and then uh john dewitt who i learned a lot from he's he actually has worked at nasa um he was i think he was at new mexico state as the women's soccer coach a long time ago he's done a lot of work with like the dynamo and the dash Mm -hmm. um now he's like a biomechanist with the cubs i believe so you said john dewitt John DeWitt. Yeah. Um, super smart guy. Like I learned a lot from, especially on the conditioning side of things. He's the one that first turned me on to, to this test and kind of how he used it to prescribe conditioning and kind of use that. So you can, you know, what he recommends is their score on this 3015 using 85% of that is their max aerobic speed. And then you can kind of program based off of that as you would normally off MAS. So, um, that's kind of where I first, first heard about it and kind of been using it ever since. Yeah. That's, I like that. I mean, it's definitely gonna have to check it out. Um, something to use, not, not obviously not for kid, younger kids, but just in the future. Yeah. And it's, I think from, I think athletes and not enjoy it, but it's, it almost sucks less than the beep test just because you don't have those repeat ones, but it definitely is. It's so much different just because you're starting in different places sometimes. So it can be confusing the first couple, couple goes. But once you get used to it, it's pretty, pretty smooth. Yeah. And so when it comes, so, you know, kind of going back into the weight room, what do you, what do you, are you testing the weight room or um, is it, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're not doing one RMs, but like some, some, some sort of like strength test. Yeah. So I'll usually do like a rep max at the end of each phase, Mm -hmm. um, depending on kind of what group they're in, if they're, you know, freshman developmental, if they're kind of in an intermediate group or, or kind of more advanced, advanced, maybe we get to some one RMs, but maybe just with like cleans or something, if they're really proficient, maybe we push Mm -hmm. it. Uh, maybe I let them max out on bench press because they're all meatheads at heart and they want to do something. But mm. usually, usually what I'll do is rep max is at the end of each phase. So if we're a strength endurance phase, maybe we're doing a, a 10 RM. And if we're in kind of a basic strength phase, it's a five RM at the end of that phase. And if it's more max strength, it's a, a three RM. Um, kind of a system I got a lot, got, a lot of info from, from Sean Foster at American, just kind of how he kind of progresses things through and works those, those rep maxes at the end. Um, it's basically where you're still training, but you kind of get an assessment and then you can compare that to the next time you run through the cycle. Did they improve that rep max relative to where they were at before is kind of how I use it. Awesome. 
All right. So kind of to sum this up a little bit, um, if you had to say something to like kids coming into college, let's say soccer players, um, cause me personally, uh, I work with a lot of them and I try to, uh, you know, get some feedback from strength coaches that are sort of in the, in it all, um, and try to give them sort of what to expect, um, you know, things that they should work on to help them, you know, keep moving, you know, up and getting more athletic. So if you had to say stuff to, you know, kids that are in high school, even younger, um, you know, even just on the physical prep side, like what is something that you suggest, um, even if it's like a parent that's listening to this at some point? Yeah, I would say the more like physical prep work you can get, the better. And it's hard because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't really know what they're doing on the, on our side of things. And, mm-hmm. but I think it's all, it always makes my job and the kids progression easier when they know how to move well and they have good mechanics on say sprinting and jumping and just like basic movement patterns. So if you can find a coach or somebody that can kind of focus on those movement patterns, maybe a little more than getting super strong, getting super powerful, like that'll come if you move well. Um, so kind of finding that place to have a good athletic foundation for lack of a better, better term, being able to, to move well. And like, I think sprint mechanics is, is huge. I mean, you watch soccer players run and it's often horrendous. It's like, so can you, and I've probably gotten better at running the further away from soccer that I've, I've been and learning how to, how to coach speed a little bit better. So it's like, okay, if what would have happened if I could have been taught this a long time ago, maybe it would have actually been fast, but um, those kind of things is kind of what I would recommend to, to kids. And if they get strong, great. Like that makes it even, even better to progress as you come into college, but you don't have to be like, there's plenty of time to develop that set kind of thing, getting strong, getting powerful, but moving well, the earlier start, the, the better off it'll be. Cool, man. Well, Ben, again, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out today to chit chat a little bit about, you know, strength conditioning, especially with, you know, all this craziness going on, but I'm sure uh, you're still enjoying what you're doing. Um, And uh, we will, again, I think you appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. It's been, been cool talking to you. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. Rest of the day. Thanks, man. You too. All right. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Train to Perform with Julian Sisman. Learn how you can work with Julian in a personal training session, either online or in person at prepareforperformance.com. And follow on social media for more tips on training, fitness, and sports performance on Twitter at jsisman underscore PFP and Instagram at prepareforperformance.